Our scripture reading this afternoon comes from several places in scripture. First in Genesis chapter 17. Genesis 17, and we'll read verses 9 through 14. Now, the theme that holds together our readings is uh, the theme of the sacraments. Uh, What are they? Why uh, they matter? What function they serve? And we want to be informed on this matter, both from Old and New Testament, from the whole of God's Word. So we begin in Genesis 17, verse 9. And God said to Abraham, As for you, you shall keep my covenant, you and your offspring after you, throughout their generations. This is my covenant, which you shall keep, between me and you and your offspring after you. Every male among you shall be circumcised. You shall be circumcised in the flesh of your foreskins, and it shall be a sign of the covenant between me and you. He who is eight days old among you shall be circumcised. Every male throughout your generations whether born in your house or bought with your money from any foreigner who is not of your offspring, both he who is born in your house and he who is bought with your money shall surely be circumcised. So shall my covenant be in your flesh an everlasting covenant. Any uncircumcised male who is not circumcised in the flesh of his foreskin shall be cut off from his people. He has broken my covenant. So far from Genesis, let's also turn to Leviticus Leviticus chapter 23, and we'll read verses 1 through 8. The Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Speak to the people of Israel, and say to them, These are the appointed feasts of the Lord, that you shall proclaim as holy convocations. They are my appointed feasts. Six days shall work be done, but on the seventh day is a Sabbath of solemn rest, a holy convocation. You shall do no work. It is a Sabbath to the Lord in all your dwelling places." These are the appointed feasts of the Lord, the holy convocations, which you shall proclaim at the time appointed for them. In the first month, on the fourteenth day of the month at twilight, is the Lord's Passover. And on the fifteenth day of the same month is the Feast of Unleavened Bread to the Lord. For seven days you shall eat unleavened bread. On the first day you shall have a holy convocation. You shall not do any ordinary work, but you shall present a food offering to the Lord for seven days. On the seventh day is a holy convocation. You shall not do any ordinary work. So far from Leviticus. Now let's turn to the New Testament, to the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 26. And we'll read verses 17 through 29. Now on the first day of unleavened bread, the disciples came to Jesus, saying, Where will you have us prepare for you to eat the Passover? He said, Go into the city to a certain man and say to him, The teacher says my time is at hand. I will keep the Passover at your house with my disciples. 
And the disciples did as Jesus had directed them, and they prepared the Passover. When it was evening, he reclined at table with the twelve. And as they were eating, he said, Truly I say to you, one of you will betray me. And they were very sorrowful and began to say to him one after another, Is it I, Lord? He answered, He who has dipped his hand in the dish with me will betray me. The Son of Man goes as it is written of him, but woe to that man by whom the Son of Man is betrayed. It would have been better for that man if he had not been born. Judas, who was to betray him, answered, Is it I, Rabbi? He said to him, You have said so. Now as they were eating, Jesus took bread, and after blessing it, broke it and gave it to the disciples and said, Take, eat, this is my body. And he took a cup, and when he had given thanks, he gave it to them, saying, Drink of it, all of you, for this is my blood of the covenant, which is poured out for many for the forgiveness of sin of sins. I tell you, I will not drink again of this fruit of the vine until that day when I drink it new with you in my Father's kingdom. Finally, let's turn to Matthew chapter 28, and we'll read verses 16 through 20. Now the eleven disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain to which Jesus had directed them. And when they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. And Jesus came and said to them, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. So far, the reading of God's Word. As we reflect on what we've read, let's sing together from Psalm 105, stanzas 1 through 3. Every Lord's Day in the afternoon service, we turn to the Heidelberg Catechism, the confession of our church, and a summary of the Christian teaching. We find ourselves this afternoon in Lord's Day 25. which you can find on page 539 of your books of praise if you wish to follow along. Lord's Day 25 begins a series of studies on the sacraments. So the question is asked, Since then, faith alone makes us share in Christ and all His benefits. Where does this faith come from? From the Holy Spirit, who works it in our hearts by the preaching of the gospel and strengthens it by the use of the sacraments. What are the sacraments? The sacraments are holy, visible signs and seals. They were instituted by God so that by their use He might the more fully declare and seal to us the promise of the gospel. And this is the promise that God graciously grants us forgiveness of sins and everlasting life because of the one sacrifice of Christ accomplished on the cross. Are both the Word and the sacraments, then, intended to focus our faith on the sacrifice of Jesus Christ on the cross as the only ground of our salvation? Yes, indeed, the Holy Spirit teaches us in the Gospel and assures us by the sacraments that our entire salvation rests on Christ's one sacrifice for us on the cross. How many sacraments has Christ instituted in the New Covenant? Two, Holy Baptism, and the Holy Supper. So far, the reading of the Catechism. (laughs) 
Brothers and sisters in our Lord Jesus Christ, as indicated by the Lord's Day, we are this week beginning a new series of sermons on the sacraments of the Christian Church. Now, I want to just be straight and uh, identify or anticipate perhaps some of the different reactions that there may be among us as we think about a series of sermons on the sacraments. Well, there's one reaction that just says, Sacra what? It doesn't even know what sacraments are. And if, if that's you, if there's a guest among us or anyone else among us who really doesn't know what the sacraments are, uh, this sermon will hopefully be for you. There's another reaction uh, that says, really, the sacraments? Why? Who cares about the sacraments? Why not just preach the gospel uh, and worry about more important things than sacraments and rituals? I guess this sermon is for you as well. I want to make the case in this sermon why this is an important thing for the church to talk about. There's a third reaction, perhaps, among some of us that, oh boy, this is going to be way over my head. Well, I hope not, uh, and uh, I don't think it will be. Uh, My hope uh, is to stay very close to Scripture, uh, and that this, uh, therefore, also becomes an easy series of sermons to follow, that we might all grow in our understanding of the sacraments together. And maybe there's a fourth uh, reaction that says, yes, this is the time now to invite all my Roman Catholic and Baptist friends uh, to come to church. And if that's your reaction, then that's the spirit. Uh, that's, uh, that's, that's more like it. So for those who are in camp number one, who are who don't know what the sacraments even are, uh, the sacraments are, as the Catechism has described for us, holy, visible signs and seals. That means they are symbolic ceremonies that are instituted by Christ uh, to the church as a way of continually remembering Him, remembering the Gospel, and being reminded that His promises are for us. That's what the sacraments are. They're there to show us what the gospel means and, what, and, and that it is for us. Now, the two sacraments that we are speaking of are the ones Christ himself has instituted for the church that are baptism and Lord's Supper. We'll talk in a moment more about why we believe there are two sacraments and not more. But I do want to address this, this second camp right away. Uh, those who are uh, wondering, why do we have to talk about the sacraments again? Uh, for you, I want to make the case that this is an important thing for the church to talk about. In the first place, we should start by just observing that Christ commanded the church to celebrate the sacraments. Uh, We see that, in fact, in the Old Testament as well. We we read God's instructions to Israel, uh, where God is very particular and insistent, this is what you are to do, and this is how you are to do it. And we see the same thing. God hasn't changed when we come to the New Testament. Uh, The sacraments are commanded by Christ. Jesus, uh, in celebrating the Lord's Supper, said, do this, do it, as often as you eat of it in remembrance of me. Uh, So that should matter. Uh, The same is true of of baptism. This was the command of Christ. Go make disciples, baptizing them. So if we say, well, we'll make disciples, we won't worry about the whole baptism thing. There's disobedience to Christ our Lord. So we can trust then that if God gave these sacraments to the church and commanded us to observe them, that God did so for a good reason. 
And we should be wanting to learn then what those reasons are, why the sacraments indeed matter. As we think about that, we should also perhaps think about why it is that many Christians are disinterested in the sacraments. There may be a variety of reasons for that trend. It certainly has been a trend for at least the last 50 years. Now, For some of us, it may be because we see the sacraments as a source of contention. And these are the things that we're always fighting about with other church traditions, whether it be Roman Catholics or Baptists. And we're just not interested in any more conflict. Now, there's some truth to that. Uh, the, the great battles uh, of the Reformation era in the 1500s and then many, uh, indeed, physical wars uh, in the following century were fought over the sacraments, or at least the sacraments were the center point of those conflicts. Uh, between Protestants and Roman Catholics, it was the Mass that was the focal point of the division. Uh, between the Reformed and the Anabaptists, it was the issue of infant baptism. Uh, Even today, uh, the very term Baptist speaks to uh, the the division that exists because of this issue regarding baptism. So it is understandable that some of us might react against uh, those divisions and then against the sacraments as a whole because we see them as a source of contention. Well, if that's the case, there are a couple of things that we should bear in mind. Uh, Number one, that the sacraments themselves are not actually the issue there. Uh, The sacraments, like the rest of our liturgy as a church, are an embodiment of our theology. Uh, It's where theology becomes practical, where it is lived out. Uh, And the difference between uh, Protestants and Roman Catholics, or between Reformed and Baptists, the differences are theological differences, though they may show up in the sacraments. Uh, And they show up, they show up in other places as well. Uh, For example, with our Baptist brothers, we would disagree, uh, not just on the sacrament, uh, but we would disagree on the status of our children. How do we regard our children? Are they God's children? Are they the devil's children? Are they children of the world? We would disagree on that question. Uh, and that, will, that disagreement will play out in a number of other arenas. How do you pray with your children? Uh, when they sin, do you give them assurance of God's forgiveness? Uh, these differences show up. Uh, With respect to Roman Catholics, uh, behind our differences regarding the sacrament, uh, there are other big questions, uh, like, is the sacrifice of Christ, once offered on the cross, is that sufficient for our salvation, or do we need more? Uh, Do we need to bring that sacrifice into the present for it to be able to apply to us? Uh, So there's a theological difference that shows up in the sacrament and shows up in the liturgy, but that's not the issue all by itself. It runs deeper than the the sacrament. So like many things in life, our worldview and our theology end up uh, becoming manifest in our practice. So if you are in that camp where you've lost interest in the sacraments because you see them as merely a source of contention and division... I would encourage you to understand why those divisions exist, where they do, and how how we might then cultivate a Christian approach of working on those differences, doing that with grace, with 
patience, with a, a proper understanding of a healthy sense of perspective. Uh, but we can't deal with differences by just pretending that they don't exist. Now, there are others, too, uh, that, that show a disinterest in the sacraments because they see them as mere rituals. They're just just rituals in some people's minds. And, and the attitude is, well, who cares? What matters is the gospel. Rituals really don't matter. A couple things to say there. In the first place, as we just mentioned, these are rituals that God has commanded, that God teaches us to observe. Uh, so we should observe them, and we should understand why and what they mean. In the second place, we should also examine, taking a step back, examine the worldview that says rituals don't matter. Uh, that, that makes those things that we do with the body somehow less important than those things that happen out there in the spiritual realm. Uh, sometimes underneath this, there's a view of the body and of the physical world that says these things are less important than, than spiritual realities. But, but Scripture does not teach that, and in fact, experience shows us that that's not true. Uh, we express spiritual realities in physical ways. Uh, that, that's just true of all of life. A husband and a wife who love one another, though that love is spiritual, uh, it will be expressed in words and in physical forms. A mother who loves her newborn infant uh, will not just keep that love in a spiritual place, uh, but will express it in physical terms, kissing her baby on the forehead, things like that. Those are uh, physical things that we do that express spiritual realities. Uh, so it may be true that, that the spiritual is of first priority, uh, but if it's not being expressed in words and in actions, there's usually something wrong at the spiritual level as well. Uh, so those who are disinterested in the sacraments because they are just mere rituals, I would encourage you to see the deeper truths of the gospel and how those are expressed in the sacraments, that you can then celebrate these these rituals with the full meaning that Christ himself has attached to them. Now, these are important things to think about and to speak about. Uh, they matter because the gospel that they portray matters. Now, that being said, I do have to keep my promise to the third camp, those who are concerned this is going to go over their heads. Uh, and, and so if you are already feeling like you're drowning out in the deep end, we'll start swimming closer to, to the shore the Catechism then defines the sacraments as visible, uh, holy visible signs and seals. And that's a loaded definition that we should unpack piece by piece. Uh, in the first place, then, uh, they are signs and seals. Uh, to say that they are signs simply means that they symbolize things. They point to things. Uh, we might think, for example, of a flag. Uh, a flag is a symbol not only of the country, that it represents, but of the values that that country holds. Uh, a country's flag is usually very deeply meaningful to uh, its citizens with colors and objects and shapes uh, that symbolize its history and its values. Now, there are some countries that just have no creativity and put some object of nature on their flags, uh, but I digress. Uh, the point is a flag is a symbol, 
It symbolizes the identity of that nation, the values of that nation. Even the very colors of that flag matter because they speak about what matters to the country. Uh, So likewise, the sacraments are symbols. Uh, They point to something greater. They point to something that matters to Christ. Uh, The water in baptism points to the blood of Christ. Uh, The bread and wine in the Lord's Supper, they point to the body and blood of Christ. They, They carry symbolic meaning. So they're signs... But they're also seals, and that's a, it's a very important distinction. Uh, when, when we say they are seals, what we're saying is they, they promise something. They carry assurances and promises with them. Uh, so if you have, a, for example, a certificate from some institution, maybe your high school, maybe your college, uh, it will typically have a seal embedded into the paper of that certificate. And what that seal does is it gives an assurance, a promise that this, this certificate is the real deal. It's, it's really from that, the place that it claims to be from. Uh, so the purpose of a seal is to give assurance And that really brings us right to the heart of what the sacraments are about. Uh, They they are intended to give us assurance. They not only point to the gospel, they promise the gospel. They carry the promises with them. Uh, The best example uh, that that I can think of, I'm sure I've used this before, uh, is the example of a wedding ring. Uh, it, It is a sign and a seal. Uh, When the bride and groom exchange their vows, the minister will ask them, uh, do you give this ring as a symbol, uh, that is a sign, of your constant faithfulness and abiding love? Uh, And each will say, I do. Uh, That too, by the way, is another ritual, one that we hold as meaningful and important. Uh, And that ring then, from that moment onward, that ring functions not only as a sign symbolizing the love of husband and wife, uh, but as a seal promising that love. Uh, the, The husband or wife can carry that ring with them wherever they go and look at it and know, my spouse loves me. This ring is the assurance of that love. Uh, So if the sacraments then are intended to serve as reminders and assurances, uh, that that leads to an important thing that we should observe that the Catechism also highlights. uh, The sacraments are intended to strengthen faith, not to produce faith. Just as a ring is intended to uh, reinforce the vows, it does not produce the vows. It does not replace the vows themselves. Uh, There is a primacy of importance that goes to the vows themselves. A wedding with only a ring is not a wedding. A wedding with only vows is still a wedding. Uh, So the sacraments are intended to strengthen faith, but not produce it. Uh, They cannot accomplish anything uh, apart from what the Word itself does by faith. Uh, So they do not carry any mystical power any more than a wedding ring does. Uh, As the Catechism says, faith is produced by the Holy Spirit and through the preaching of the Word. The sacrament's role is to strengthen the faith that is thus produced. This also means, and this is a big point that the Reformation uh, reinforced, that the sacraments are intended to accompany the Word. They do not stand by themselves. 
Uh, just as that wedding ring is accompanied by the vows uh, and is only useful because of the vows, so also the sacraments accompany the word and only have any force or power or effect insofar as they reinforce what is given in the word. Uh, in, uh, in this way, the, the Christian sacraments are very different from pagan rituals, uh, which are intended to carry power or communicate power all in themselves. Uh, we'll, we'll, see, uh, we'll see more about that when we deal with the, the Lord's Supper and how that is regarded in the Roman Catholic Church, uh, where it is believed that it carries a power in and of itself. The sacraments don't. Uh, they only reinforce the Word. Uh, this is important. In, in, in the time of the Reformation, the Roman Catholic Church would often perform Mass uh, without a sermon and oftentimes without even people being present uh, because it, it didn't matter that people were there for it. What mattered is that it was done on behalf of the people. Uh, so it, it was believed to carry a certain power that the people needed whether they were there or not. Well, that's, that's not how Scripture teaches us to think about the sacraments. Now, we should make a comment on the number of the sacraments as well. Anyone who spent any time in different branches of Christianity uh, will discover that the different Christian traditions also differ on the number of the sacraments. In the Reformed churches, we hold there are only two sacraments, baptism and the Lord's Supper. In other traditions, there are said to be more. Uh, the Roman Catholic churches and the Eastern Orthodox churches have a total of seven. Uh, that is baptism, Lord's Supper, confirmation, confession and penance, anointing of the sick, marriage, and holy orders. Uh, the Lutheran tradition, for its part, holds to three sacraments, baptism, Lord's Supper, and confession. We hold only two. And it's good to uh, reflect on why that is the case. Now, it's not that we don't practice other sacred rituals. We just talked about marriage. Uh, that is done in the church, and it is sacred before God. Uh, we have profession of faith, which is historically related to the practice of confirmation, where a young believer publicly declares their faith in, in Christ. Uh, we also recognize the importance of confession of sins, just as uh, these other traditions do, uh, though we understand it very differently. We don't confess our sins in private to a priest behind a wall. Uh, we confess our sins, as Scripture teaches us, to one another, that we might also encourage and admonish one another. Uh, we pray for the sick, uh, believing that God can and does heal. Uh, that's related to uh, the, uh, the uh, anointing of the sick that takes place in other traditions. Uh, we solemnize marriages. We ordain men to office. Uh, we do these sacred rituals, uh, but we don't speak of them as sacraments. Well, to understand that, we have to think about what is a sacrament. The Roman Catholic Church defines sacraments as, as efficacious, that means effective in and of themselves, efficacious signs of grace instituted by Christ and trusted to the church by which divine life, they claim, is dispensed to us. So the Roman Catholic tradition then holds that sacraments have power in and of themselves to dispense or confer 
the grace of God. Well, here's where we would differ with, our, uh, with, with Roman Catholics on this point, uh, and we would appeal to the teachings of, of Scripture. Sacraments do not have power in themselves. They're instituted by Christ to strengthen faith, not to produce something that the Word does not have. And if that's the case, it's very clear that there is a categorical difference between these two sacraments, Lord's Supper and Baptism, and and all the other sacred rituals that might take place. Uh, Although marriage, for example, is indeed sacred and and does also reflect the gospel, Scripture teaches that, marriage does reflect the gospel, yet it's not given to the church. It's not everyone in the church gets married. Uh, And God does not attach to marriage promises uh, like he does with the sacraments. uh, Where as if God would say, as surely as you are married, so surely is my grace with you. God doesn't make that kind of promise related to marriage. There's a, a clear categorical difference. Likewise, we might pray over the sick, but God does not attach a special promise to that as He does with the sacraments. Now, this is why all the way back in the ancient church, uh, if you read the writings of the church fathers, you find that they always spoke of two sacraments, baptism and Lord's Supper. Now, the Reformed Church is not uh, inventing something new. It's not uh, charting its own path, uh, but rather it is returning to the path laid out by Scripture and followed by the ancient church. I should also point out on this uh, point that the, many of these supposed sacraments in the Roman Catholic Church are not even the same thing as, as that which is prescribed in Scripture. Uh, for example, the anointing of the sick in James 5 uh, is uh, there given for those who are sick in order that they might be healed. Uh, whereas in the Roman Catholic tradition, it's given to the dying in order that they might receive some final grace uh, and thus reduce time in purgatory. It's a very, very different conception. Uh, so then even though there are a diversity of, of rituals and practices in the church, uh, indeed we hold that all of life is sacred, all of life is worship, uh, yet we recognize there is a special significance to these two sacraments, baptism and Lord's Supper. Now before we close, I do want to address yet one more camp uh, that may be even present among us, uh, which is those Christians who who get what the sacraments are, they understand what they are, they know what they are for, uh, and yet they still find themselves not really attaching much value to them. They're sort of just things we do, things that uh, you get through as part of the Christian life, but they they don't give much comfort. It's not an uncommon thing, particularly in Reformed churches, for that uh, experience to to be that that way. Well, perhaps one of the reasons why Christians uh, feel so indifferent about the sacraments uh, goes back to that view of the body that we spoke about earlier and the actions of the body in relation to our faith. Uh, there, There is a modernistic way of thinking uh, that draws a line between the body and the spirit and says what matters is the spirit uh, and and not the body. 
And, and as a result, and perhaps also because we're afraid of being superstitious about the sacraments, we tend to devalue those things that we do with our body and, and view faith as something entirely abstract and unphysical. Well, when we turn to the scriptures, we find the scriptures just don't draw that distinction. Uh, rather, the scriptures teach that what lives in the heart expresses itself through words and actions. And that's exactly where the sacraments come in. That's why Christ has given them. Now, the ancient expression you find among the church fathers, uh, men like Augustine, uh, is that the sacraments are intended to make visible that which is invisible. In other words, they take spiritual realities, like the forgiveness of your sins, uh, like our union with Christ, spiritual, invisible realities, and they express those realities in visible, tangible ways. Again, to use the analogy of the wedding ring, it takes that, that invisible reality, the bond of love between husband and wife, and gives it a physical expression. That's possible to make too much of that, and the, and the church has done that in the past, where it places too much value on the physical expression, uh, just as it would be silly for a husband and, and a wife to say, this ring is the love of my spouse. You've gone too far. You've put too much value on, on that ring, as if the, the love itself is bound up within that ring. Uh, that's silly. Uh, the ring is only an expression of that love. And some have made the same mistake with the sacraments. Uh, But insofar as it is an expression of that love, it has value. And we should not, therefore, devalue it. Uh, It doesn't produce that love. Uh, The sacraments don't either. They don't mystically transmit that love. uh, But they express that love. And that's what they're intended to do, to express the love and commitment of Christ in a visible and tangible form. Uh, And that expression of love, it goes in both directions. Uh, In the one direction, the sacraments express God's love for His people, uh, Christ's love for His church. Uh, Christ would have have us receive them uh, as assurances of His love. Uh, When we're baptized, Christ makes visible promises to us. Now, when we come to the Lord's table, Christ offers Himself visibly to us. That's His expression of love for His church. And it goes in the other direction as well. When we partake in the sacraments, uh, say, for example, an adult coming forward to be baptized, or parents bringing their children forward to be baptized, uh, it gives us the opportunity to express in visible ways, the invisible love and faith that lives within our hearts. And for that reason, we ought to see the sacraments as a great blessing to the church. God is mindful of our nature, that we are creatures made of body and soul. And therefore, He gives us a means to receive His sacraments, not just, or, or His promises, not just in abstract uh, and invisible forms, but in simple, tangible forms that we as creatures can understand and receive. Uh, when we receive the bread and wine, for example, we, we truly receive the promises that Christ attaches to them. Uh, And then for us, he gives us the opportunity to come forward and express what lives in our hearts and not doubt then that it does indeed live in our hearts. As creatures, we need that. 
Uh, when our faith lives in the world of the invisible, lives in the world of the abstract, uh, we, we can torture ourselves with these doubts and questions. Do I really believe? Uh, do I really have love for God in my heart? You, you, can, you can torture yourself with those questions. But through the sacraments, Christ makes it simple. He gives us an opportunity to express what lives within us. So, for example, when the Apostle Peter was asked by uh, the Jews on on the day of Pentecost, uh, they asked, brothers, what shall we do to be saved? Peter didn't give them an abstract instruction, uh, though he could have. He could have said, believe in the Lord God with all your heart. Have faith in the Lord Jesus. We use these abstract terms. But he says to them, repent and be baptized. Very simple instruction. Yes, it must be done by faith. Yes, it is ultimately spiritual, but it's given in a physical, simple form. Uh, uh, And that's exactly how we should use the sacraments as well. Not as mystical rituals intended to give us something we didn't have in in the Word, uh, but, but rather as visible expressions of Christ's love for us and ours for Him. We should give thanks to God for the gift of the sacraments that we get to express our faith and receive also His expression of love uh, for us. That's what they're there for. That's what Christ would have us use them for. Amen.